Well, my daughter recently uh, expressed an interest to get a computer. And so she started saving up uh, what little money she had. And uh, her birthday was uh, this month. And so she, uh, when people are asking her, what, what would you like for your birthday? She said, well, could you chip in for my computer I'm saving up for? And so the grandparents got behind the idea. And so what we decided to do was surprise her on her birthday. And we, I called up my buddy. Uh, found out a place where I could get a good uh, used laptop. And my daughter's, I think they call them tweens. She's a fifth grader. She's kind of like that pre-teenager. She hasn't quite hit middle school yet, but she wants to kind of discover how to, how to type and how to use all the applications. And so we, we get to her birthday party and she opens up all her gifts. She opens this last gift and it's this box and she opens it up and closes it. And she opens it again. And there's kind of this, like after this gas, there's kind of like, this, this smile, this joy that made you wish you bought two computers. It was so, so great. And then she shut it. And then one more time she opens it up and the joy was so big that she started to cry tears of joy for a used laptop. <laughs> it was the cutest thing. I mean, she was just was kind of caught up in the whole thing. And, and it was, uh, uh, it was so special. Like you just, and, and the funny thing is, like, she doesn't know how to use it yet. She doesn't quite know its potential and all that it can do. But I, I loved kind of seeing this, this, uh, this joy in someone who received a gift and a gift that was picked out uh, by, by uh, a loving family. So what if I told you that there's a gift for you that God himself has picked out? especially for you, that it's a gift that he picked for you when you were adopted into his family, that it's something that not only will you experience incredible joy when you use this gift, but people around you will experience incredible joy for this gift. That, that really all that needs to happen is you got to discover it. You have to develop it. You have to deploy it into the, the use of God's kingdom. And you will bless him and you will bless others. Well, that's what we're going to look at today. See, we're in a series called Serve. And we're thinking about what it looks like to serve like Jesus. And as we think about what it looks like to serve Jesus, we see this idea that service and greatness go hand in hand in the, the kingdom. If you want to be great in the kingdom, it's not about elevating yourself. It's about finding a way to serve that even Jesus, a son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve. And he demonstrated that by the giving of his own life. So think about this for a moment, because I think this is a... a, a this is probably one of the kind of like, like the moments here in this message that if you, if you really think about this, it's kind of like the turning point. It's one of the, maybe the most important thing you think about it. So let me give you a little exercise here. Try to imagine. So I know, I know there's a lot of angel fans in the audience. Um, and you're, you're going to hopefully make the playoffs. Um, so I want you to try to imagine last week of the season, your boss gives you really good seats. You're sitting up close. Now, this is the, the, the game goes into extra innings. They've got to win this game. And they extinguish, they use every single bench player, pinch hitter, person they have. And it comes to a spot in the order where they need a pinch hitter. And Mike Sosha kind of steps out. He kind of turns over the dugout and he goes, Pete, you're hitting. Grab a bat. Let's go. Come on up here. Okay, it's not going to happen. Okay, it's not going to happen. Uh, Okay, try to imagine this. Uh, envision in your mind, 
your favorite band and, and at what could would be a live concert of your favorite band. Now, hear them in your mind singing your favorite song of them. Now, here it comes down to the, the big chorus of, the, of your favorite song. And all of a sudden, your, your favorite performer looks at you and says, Sue, come up here. Come. You're going to sing the chorus with me. It's not going to happen. Okay, sorry. I don't want to crush all your dreams. Okay? All these things that we kind of idolize in life and we think, oh, if only. Now, the God of the entire universe, who's created this, this world, who is on mission to redeem this world, who is working at such a, an incredible rate. He's willing to send even his own son into the world. That This is how big a project this is for him to redeem this world, that he looks out into this audience today and says, I need you. And 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 he says it again and again to us. And this isn't like, wait, did he just pick me? Like, this isn't like, no, he must have been pointing behind. No, this God in his uh, redemptive mission for this whole world is looking out into this audience today and saying, Will you come with me? Will you serve with me? What I'm about to do, it it literally is going to change the world. Will you join me in it? I mean, isn't that a little mind-blowing? Your favorite baseball team is not going to ask that of you. Your favorite performer is not going to ask that of you. But the God of the universe is asking that of you today. And that's what we want to explore. See, here's our big idea today is that you have been designed to serve. You've been designed to serve. In fact, the scriptures give us just these beautiful images of your unique design. In fact, the psalmist says it this way, that you are knit. That I, uh, David says, I was knit together in my mother's womb. I mean, a powerful, powerful creative image. This idea that not just it was haphazard, that there's kind of, you're kind of mass produced, that there's no thought or care, but that you were knit together in your mother's womb. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, that you are God's poema, his, his masterpiece, his work of art. And any of you who've tried art or any of you who are artists know, you don't just kind of haphazardly go into an art project. There's, there's, there's thoughtfulness and, and, and intent and kind of heart and soul go into it. I mean, how powerful that these images are given to us, that this is how you were made by God. But then something else happened. When you came to faith in Christ, it was more than just your sins being washed away. It was more than just kind of this this negative thing stopped happening. Remember, Jesus came into this world, he said, to give us life. And so part of that life comes in the washing away of our sin. But he's come to give us life. And one of the things that happens when you come into faith is not only does he, he cleanse you of your sin, but he fills your life with his presence. When the spirit, of, the spirit of God comes and dwells within you, and when the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you, uh, the Scriptures say this, that the spirit, the spirit will gift you in ways that we have to discover so that we can use those gifts to join God in his mission 
in the world. So I want you to uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, it's on page 1151. This week and next week are going to be kind of a two-week part uh, uh, message. And this week what we're going to try to figure out is what is it? What do we mean by these ideas of spiritual gifts? And next week we'll look at what does it look like for all of our gifts to work together. And so this passage is it's a rather long chapter. We'll break it into the, we'll look at the first half today. But I want you to see today that we are designed to serve. And this was an important piece of, uh, of teaching that the Corinthians needed. So you'll, you'll notice if you're to read through the letter that there's moments where you can tell there's kind of transitional thought. And Paul's trying to deal with some of the issues, some of the problems, some of the challenges that that young church had. And so you'll notice right now, uh, as we begin this chapter, that he's going to start with now about gifts of the Spirit. And, and this is an, another, another issue he has to address. Part of the issue was that there was kind of a disagreement over how these gifts uh, worked and how they were used. And there were certain gifts, and you'll see some of these gifts, a little more demonstrative. They kind of stand out. They kind of sh- shine maybe a little brighter in some ways. But we'll see that they're not more important. And some people saw these as, as a way of demonstrating the trueness of God's spirit. But he's going to correct that. But what I want you to see is that we all have a gift. And we all have to find ways to use these gifts so that we bless other people. And so let's join together. Uh, verse 1, it says this. Now, about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, some or other, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, And in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. All right, so two things I want to show you, but we need to start, before we start there, we need a a good starting point is this. What, What are spiritual gifts? Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And and someone gave this definition that I think is helpful. Spiritual gifts are special abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. So you have, you have, if you look at this, what it means is simply this. There's an an ability, there's a a, a talent, there's something that came upon you. There's something you can do now, you can contribute to the work of God that didn't exist before that. So the Spirit has now given you a gift. Now maybe uh, enhanced in some ways uh, something about you, but you now have been given an ability, a gift to be used. So two very important things that we need to see about it. First is this, it's God who equips us with different gifts. It's by God's design. So God is the one who equips us with the different gifts. 
And so you see there's kind of a, a disagreement going on. And, and one of the things that you notice in the beginning of the passage is this conversation about Jesus as Lord. This was the earliest Christian confession. To confess that Jesus is Lord, to us it might not sound like a, a, a big dynamic uh, thing to say, but you have to try to imagine this in uh, first century Palestine in, 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 in a Jewish context. This was blasphemous. Uh, to say that Jesus is Lord in a Roman context, to say that Jesus is Lord and not Caesar is Lord. I mean, that, that kind of confession uh, meant death. And so for someone to confess that, that was the sign. There was a sign of that, that this was someone, a, a genuine test of faith of the Spirit's uh, dwelling presence. You didn't go into this casually at all. And, and, and part of the concern was, the thought was, the, the way you can tell is if these people have these kinds of gifts, then you really know the Spirit is in them. And, and, and we don't know otherwise. But notice that the conversation isn't about that. And then the, the conversation shifts to, notice, it's God who gives the gifts. So we see this, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 7. Now each one of the manifesta- uh, to, now to each one, the manifestation, the display of the spirit's presence in it is given for the common good. So each of us, through faith, are given a gift that displays in us, whether it, it was showy in some ways or just through the act of using this gift, this displays that the spirit is real in us and that the spirit is living in us. Uh, And even you see it at the end of verse 11 that we saw. All these are work of one same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's up to God to decide this. So the sovereign Lord decides how each of us will be gifted. And it's important that we see that, that each of us is gifted by the spirit. Now, one of the key things that you'll notice in this passage, this is one passage, and I'm going to give you a couple others to write down and look at. We don't have time to go into all of them today. But you notice there's a sense of diversity in gifts. They're not all the same thing. There's different kinds of gifts so that all together the different gifts work together and, and create this kind of rich variety. In some ways, what we see, what we're going to see in this passage is kind of like, some of you maybe have noticed this, maybe, but we have a mosaic on the back wall. And if you look at the mosaic, it's, it's a number of individual tiles, hundreds of individual tiles, but together they make up one design. Each one unique in their own way, and yet together they come, to get, they come together to make something beautiful. And this is what we're starting to see. So, and this is important because when you think of gifts... Think about when you came here this morning and you think of gifts. What, did you th- what would you think of? Probably first you think of, well, pastors. Pastors are gifted because they stand up and they teach and they preach and they do these kinds of things. They lead. Maybe you think of, uh, oh, the artists because they lead the way, the different ways that they lead worship. Or you think of, well, my life group leader and all these uh, life groups, these, these tons of life group leaders who lead and shepherd these small little groups. They, they kind of pastor these small groups. And so we kind of get this kind of very narrow view of who, who the people are in a church that are gifted in, and make it work. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we dropped our son off at college, and we were listening to uh, one of the college career counselors talk about uh, jobs and internships and how it works at the school and all the things that they do. And uh, it was just kind of a fascinating moment because she said, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk to your kids She's talking to all the parents. She's like, we're going to talk to your kids and we're going to ask them things. We're going to try to get them set up. And, and there's a lot of companies around here that want to work with us. 
uh, for example, Santa Barbara Hospital. And they, she said, you know, we'll ask the students, you know, would you like to work at Santa Barbara Hospital? And they'll say, well, no, because I'm not a med student or a pre-med student. I'm not, I, don't, I don't see myself being a doctor or a nurse. And they say, well, that's great. Because only 18% of the people who work at this hospital are doctors or nurses. Actually, the, uh, over 80% of the people who work in this hospital do something else. And you begin to think of it, uh, the administrators and IT people and researchers, all the different people, all the different gifts, all the different things that it takes to make uh, that, that company, that uh, hospital work. And if you were to go through probably whatever industry you're in, if you step back from it, you go, yeah, that's how it works where, where I am too. It's all kinds of different people with all kinds of different gifts. And the, and the collection of the whole is what, what comes together. When they come together, unified together, it works. That's how the church works. Uh, yeah, there are people that stand up here and teach or sing or do those things. But this is a, a minority of the people that it takes to actually make a church work. There are hundreds of people in different kinds of roles, all kinds of roles, people serving together. And so all of us have a meaningful role in somehow, in some way. And so we're called to, to, to use it. Some of you have the gift of mercy. You have this ability to be empathetic, to transfer uh, just your strength to, and comfort and compassion to people who need it. And, and trust me, it's really good that you have that because I, I, I stink at it. And so if I show up, I'm not the best bed, bedside manner guy. I'm like kind of nervous and it just doesn't come. But there are people here who are awesome and they, they serve in all kinds of ministries together that we have. Uh, but some of you are using that. Some of you have the gift of giving. You don't only have the ability to make money, but you see this, this ability God's given you to give it away in such a way that it builds God's kingdom. And I've had the privilege of meeting some, some folks that are like this. And it's fascinating to me because I think a lot of us envision in some ways that if I made money, I'd get to keep more money. And there are folks who have this gift and the idea is simply this. They want to give it away because they realize it's not theirs in the first place. And so they have this joy in giving uh, what God has given them away. Some of you have creative abilities. You enhance worship and service. Some of you are servants. You like, you, you actually prefer to be behind the scenes. You like to help wherever's needed. You'll set up, clean up. You'll do whatever is required. You just love to help. Now, all of us are called to be merciful. All of us are called to be generous. All of us are called to be servants. But some of you, there's a way in which you, you live at an at accelerated level in this, and it animates you. It brings you such joy. When you're doing this, you come alive. And so you have to discover what, what it is that God has given you. Now, it's, it's kind of fun to think about this, and we kind of start making it about us. But the second thing is very important because we can very quickly become puffed up. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Your gifts are not about you. They're about us. They're about us. So in this letter, Paul's going to stress a number of times to the Corinthian church, hey, you got to think about the whole. Think about the whole. Think about the whole. And he's trying to help them think about what it looks like to be unified together. God has gifted you, but it's not about you. Okay? And so he's trying to bring them back to the good of the community. And so it's important that we realize that we have these gifts, but we have to use these gifts for the good of the community. Uh, you'll, uh, there's a great book called Doing Church as a Team by Wayne Cordero. And out of this book, 
Uh, we've just kind of borrowed a lot of themes from it. Ken used to work for, for uh, Pastor Ken over at our Huntington campus. He used to work for Wayne. But there's just some wonderful uh, themes from this that what we want is we want to be a team. That's one of the images we want for us as a church is to be a team. So if you're new in the church, one of the things that we'll encourage you to do is take next steps, which is our, our membership class. And we want you to learn about what it would look like to make a commitment to be a member here. Now, what we don't promise you is a special key to the member bathroom and you don't have to stand in line or like you don't get access to anything like that. The whole purpose of membership here is, uh, is the image that comes from this, that we, this is not a cruise ship. This is an outrigger canoe. Everyone gets a paddle and we paddle together. And when we're all paddling together, the church works. And so we want you, we want you to be a paddler. We want you to, to join the team with us. So uh, Cordero in his book, he gives this great illustration. He was talking about watching this talk show. And on this talk show, the host had these three giant muscle guys. They're sitting on, on these stools. And they were all kind of, you know, big ripped guys in their little Speedo shorts. And they're all baby oiled up. And so he's kind of looking at them and seeing like all these muscles. And he's, he, you know, being the, the practical guy, he's like, you know, what do you, what do, you do with all those muscles? And one of the guys jumps off this chair. He goes, we do this. And he flexes in front of everyone, kind of laughs in the crowd. And the host is laughing. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, but, but what, do you, what do you do with the muscles? Do you, do you like move boxes? Are you like, do you pick up like train cars and move them onto different tracks? Like what, what do you do with the muscles? And another guy, the second guy jumps off his chair and he goes, we do this. And he turns around, oh, and he's like kind of flexes his back and, Everyone's laughing. The host is kind of laughing. He goes, read my lips. What do you do with the muscles? And the last guy jumps off and he goes, we do this. And he's flexing his side. And he just realized he's lost it at this point. Everyone's laughing. And Cordero writes this. He says, this is just like the church. God gives us so much teaching, so many seminars, so many resources, so many books, recordings, and websites that we can learn from. We are huge in the spirit. And God says, now what are you going to use them for? Gifts are not to be puffed up. They're to be used and to bless others. They're not for us to show off. First Peter 4 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards, that word's important. That means you've been entrusted with something. The owner, to be a steward means the owner has given you something. He's, he's trusted you with something. So as good stewards of God's grace in its various forms, whichever form of gift was given to you, the owner has decided this was what would be good. Now, use it wisely. Use it for the owner's glory, use it to bless the people he wants to see blessed. So how do you do this? How do we figure this out? Well, I want to give you three things. And uh, these three words are words that we use a lot when we're talking about uh, our design and our giftedness and serving. And I want them, I hope that they can become part of your, your vocabulary as well. But we use them a lot here at Beach Point. Uh, but how do, you, how do you figure out how to use uh, your gifts? The number one thing is this. You discover your gifts. You discover your gifts. 
So as a Christian, you have a responsibility. God has gifted you. The God of grace has entrusted something to you. You have the responsibility of discerning what that is. And so maybe you're, you look at this list and you kind of say, well, gosh, I, I'm not sure I, I know if any of those things fit. Here, let me give you three other passages. Just write these down. You can look them up on your own. But these are some other passages that also talk about uh, different gifts. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Ephesians 4, 7 through 11. And 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Now, these four passages together give you about 20 different gifts. I also think, I personally would also lean towards Exodus 35, 30 to 35, which speaks about when they were building the tabernacle, these, these folks who were filled by the, through the Spirit, it says through the Spirit, they were gifted in kind of uh, crafting and art and kind of creative creativity and artistry and all these kinds of things. And so um, there's a way that you might see this and realize, gosh, I, I really do seem to work and make a difference when I'm using my creative abilities or building abilities or whatever it is. Now, relax as you're going through this. Our, your temptation is going to be like, uh, you know, at Christmas, have you ever watched little kids together, brothers and sisters, or maybe you were like this, or you can nudge your, your brother or sister next to you. But remember when, uh, when you're opening up uh, presents on Christmas and you're opening up your gift, but your one eye knows how to go whoop like this and kind of watch your brother or sister open their gift. So you're enjoying yours, but you're also kind of comparing it to how it fits and compares to your brother or sister. And what would we say now as mature adults? Oh, those are immature children. And that's the way immature children behave. So when we are looking, trying to, to discover our gifts, but our eye goes, whoop, looking at someone else in the church. Why didn't I get that gift? How come I don't get to stand on stage? Why? I don't know. Then we say, oh, I'm acting like an immature child. Okay. Discover your gifts. Number two is develop your gifts. Develop your gifts cultivate them, improve them. Like anything, a gift that is not exercised weakens in strength. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, Timothy was a young pastor. He was told, do not neglect your gift. If you have the gift of hospitality, okay, you, just, you, you have a, a gift at making people feel at home. Start practicing that. Help people feel at home here at church. Uh, uh, invite people into your home. Uh, uh, maybe try out working on one of our first impression teams. If you uh, have a, a, a gift in administration, maybe you volunteer to help, uh, you know, kind of the registration or, or just kind of the, all the organization of things that go on. Whatever it is, uh, you can study, you can practice, you can reflect, you can get feedback, all these things. Any gift needs to be, it needs to be practiced. It needs to be developed. Here's the last thing, and it is deploy your gifts. You have to use them. So we could sit. I could take my, my daughter. If I was going to take my daughter and teach her how to swim, we could watch YouTube videos. We could practice in the living room. I could show her different strokes, all these kinds of things. But ultimately, we got to get in the water. Ultimately, we have to get in and practice. And the same thing is true with our gifts. Uh, I, I think uh, one of the, the, when, when you do this, when, when this all comes together, just such cool things happen. Such cool things happen when people are living out their gifts. Uh, this is, I'll just show you a really fun example. Justin, who was just up here hosting, 
his team put together this. It's a, it's a devotional through the book of Acts. I don't think we've ever published a little a book together, but they, they, put, they created a book, a devotional book, and it's outstanding. But 10 different people other than Justin participated, and it's a variety of gifts, creative administrative, leadership, all these things came together to create something and put it together this way. And you get these wonderful things, these wonderful opportunities. And so I just want you to, I want to encourage you in this way. Uh, two things that, that are going to be helpful resources to you. One is this, go to beachpoint.com slash serve. Beachpoint.com slash serve. If you don't have a place yet to, to, to serve yet, you can go, when you're home, you can go on this, uh, our website, uh, beachpoint.com slash serve. There's a short little survey. You'll submit it. It will, it will lead you to one of our leaders. And in the next couple of days, they will set up a time to connect with you and talk through some of these things with you and help you discover or to develop or to get deployed into a place of service. The other thing is maybe you notice coming in this morning that we have uh, what we're calling a, a, our serve expo this week and next week. But there's a number of ministries that are just out there to connect with you. Uh, we want to encourage you, come by, ask some questions, grab whatever stuff they have. You're not committing the next eight years of your life towards whatever, okay? So go there. No, there's just absolute freedom just to explore, and, and this is part of the discover process. You have a gift. Discover, develop, and deploy that gift. You are designed to serve. And, and when we do this, again, just incredible things happen. Uh, so I want to I end with a, te- uh, just kind of give you a case study of that. I had a kid in my youth group uh, here at Beach Point. He got kicked out of the youth group more than any other kid. He was the kid with pink hair and black fingernails. And as of last Sunday, he is now the new senior pastor of First Baptist San Luis Obispo. So would you welcome Pastor Jason Hickey. Thank you. So Jason, Jason was on staff here for a number of years, but he didn't begin that way. Jason, as I said, was just a kid in the youth group beginning to kind of discover his gifts, gifts and then develop them in all kinds of accelerated ways. And now God has deployed him in a whole new way. So share just briefly, you know, as you began as a, as a young guy, just starting to what it was like to discover your gifts. Yeah, I think this is kind of the hardest part for most people. Most people get, you know, Pastor Bill has this phrase, he uses it all the time with us as staff. He says, Make sure you don't get caught up in uh, paralysis by analysis, meaning stop overthinking it. Just get up and do something. And, uh, and so for me, you know, I became a Christian when I was 15 and, you know, uh, here in this youth ministry. And so I started doing the only thing that I knew to do as a Christian, which was nothing other than hang out with this guy. So I literally spent like every day in his office. Uh, uh, super good for productivity for him. And... <laughs> And so I just started doing everything. I had a professor in, in college who said, the best way to know how you're gifted is to find out all the ways that you're not gifted. And so I started setting up chairs. I started doing everything. I just started doing everything around the church. And, you know, oh, this is cool, but I don't really know, you know, this doesn't really bring me to life. And then all of a sudden, uh, when, I started, when I graduated high school, I had the opportunity to be a volunteer youth leader in the middle school ministry 
And I realized, I knew, this is what made me come alive when I started leading people towards a relationship with Christ. And I had the opportunity, uh, when I was doing that, for my very first time to teach on a Wednesday night. And uh, Pastor Bill gave me a lot of notice. He told me at 6 p.m. The ministry started at 7. And uh, I was terrified for that hour, panicked. And I got up there, and if, for, for those of you who ever ran track in high school, it was sort of like this. Once I got up there and the gun went off and I started teaching, it was like something came alive in me that I'd never felt before. And I knew this is what I was meant to do with my life. And if I do anything else, I'm going to waste my life. You, uh, as you are, uh, over these, especially over these last uh, uh, few years, these last three to four years, we've worked really hard at uh, developing your gifts so that you could be called into uh, this kind of calling. Um, what's been the experience for you? How have you pursued developing your gifts? Yeah, well, there's a great leader. Uh, he, he says this, pay the price of time. Don't be afraid to pay the price of time. And so, um, you know, like Pastor Bill was saying with gifts, right, you've got to develop them. You, they're, they're not muscles that all of a sudden you just, you know, you become a Christian, you get this gift and you know, you wake up and, you know, with this spiritual gift that you're like, you know, um, and I mean, except for the baby oil, you always have that. But, uh, you know, how it happened was I just started working uh, as a volunteer leader and I did that and I said, well, this is great, but, but what's next? And then uh, I interned, had the opportunity to intern here in the intern program in the middle school ministry. Um, before I did that, though, I did a three-month uh, stint as a children's past, or a children's ministry intern, and, and during those three months where I was there, there were so many sweet and beautiful children that I made cry um, that we quickly realized that, you know, gifting and passion yeah. was not connecting. Yeah. You know, um, my gifts and my passions were not connecting in children's ministry, and so ended up coming on into middle school, and so I interned. And I, I realized it was time for me to, to find a full-time position. You were saying the same thing. It's time for you, you know, to find a full-time position. And since you weren't leaving and I didn't feel good about killing you, um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, you're welcome, Kim, wherever you are. And, uh, but we, you know, launched me out into a ministry. And the pastor there uh, said, Jason, you know, everyone tells you this. You got a great gift for teaching. You're also incredibly lazy with it. Um, and I said, thanks, man. That's a great day. And, and so he devoted the next four years while I was gone to, to learning to teach. But it wasn't until I came back here as a youth pastor where God gave me a, a dream and a vision. And it wasn't like some weird trance thing or like, you know, uh, or some dream in the middle of the night. It was just this nagging idea of, I want you to become a senior pastor. And I said, that sounds like a terrible idea. You should choose somebody else. Um, <laughs> Because if there's one role that I don't ever want to do, it's this one. And the idea just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And so you, you know, uh, gave me the opportunity to, to start working with you guys, adults, uh, preaching more and more. And, and, and basically, the more I stopped looking, like Pastor Bill was saying, the more I stopped looking at each one of you and saying, why don't I have your gift? And I started just doing what I was meant to do. I realized, not only is this a dream um, of God's, it's, it's my dream for my life, too. Yeah. Aaron, can you put up that slide of the gifts and passions overlap? Jason hit on a really great 
principle here that you're, there's, there's kind of this sweet spot where your gifts and your passions kind of come together, where you might have a passion for technology and a gift for service. And that sweet spot might be working with Joe and our tech team, or you love teaching, but your passion isn't kids. And so, oh, I was passionate, <laughs> just not for kids, <laughs> like in that way. And so it may not be a great fit. And that's part of the discovery uh, uh, role. And I appreciate yeah. that. But in this last season, God's changed that passion. We put, we, as we brought you into working with adults and you, your vision, uh, what God has given you is a vision for leading and leading a church and these gifts and passions have come together. How do we pray for you as you are deployed now in service as a senior pastor? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think about this really quick before I tell you these prayer these prayer requests, you know, if you're in that season where you're developing and you're never thinking that God's going to deploy you, God gave me this vision and this dream five years ago. And I've been looking actively every day for two years. And it wasn't until last week where it came to fruition. So hang in there. Pay the price of time. But any prayer, easy. Number one, you guys, any of you that have ever moved, you know, uh, bottom line, it just sucks. So... Um, please just pray for us moving. You know, we had a 13-day turnaround from the job offer until the day I start. I start next Sunday. So, um, you know, so please just pray for the move that it's, that's done well and, and quick. And, and the second thing for our family, for the transition, new city, new schools. Um, and in the midst of that, that God would just give us incredible relationships like he did here. Um, and then the third thing would be for the church, that we would clearly know God's vision for us. Uh, both as individuals and as a community, and I love the way it's perfect for what we're talking about today, that we would all know the role that we play in that um, so that you, you would pray for us to, to know God's vision and his leading in our lives and to be willing to, to play that role. Well, we want to give you a prayer that you're going to pray here. And so would you just, let me put this on the screen. Uh, we want to ask you, Lord, where are you calling me? And so uh, as Jason has kind of modeled, there's this surrendered heart. This is who, where we want to be. And it may not be uh, moving you to central California. Uh, it may be as, as, as far as, you know, across the patio or to our other campus. Um, but we, we've, we wanted to have, last week we talked so about uh, having this uh, willing spirit. And so let me just give, you, give us a, just a few moments of silent reflection and prayer and then Brian, when you're ready, he'll, he'll break that. But um, I just want to give you some time before we, we close with these uh, final songs to just pray, Lord, where are you calling me to serve? How do you envision me serving? And just take these moments to just listen and in these last songs, keep listening to the Lord and the things that he may want to say to you as we close out the service. So let's pray.